Welcome to the Code of Entry podcast, where we cloud the issues with facts and help you upskill to stay on the digital edge. Here's your host, Greg, with the latest. Hey, team, Greg here. Today, I'm going to talk with you a little bit about uh, web hosting and who you should pick. Yeah, disclaimer, some personal opinions involved in the recording of this episode, and I did focus a lot on WordPress hosting. So uh, I hope you enjoy the episode, and as we continue to uh, get you more contact, I'm going to hit you here with the mid-roll. I really would ask you to uh, like, subscribe, communicate with us, let me know what to talk about, uh, let me know if my opinions are, are right or wrong, uh, because, uh, you know, having that dialogue back and forth can only make both of us better. So appreciate your time, and uh, keep hustling. Thanks. We just wanted to say thanks for listening and remind you to follow, like, and subscribe to Code of Entry on all your favorite channels. We appreciate having you on the team and any help reaching out to others. Always remember, we're here to help you, providing cutting-edge digital insights into this ever-changing industry. Now back to the show. So what web hosts should you use? There's a variety of hosting options, and depending on where you are in your journey, your business objectives, and you know exactly what you're trying to do, That'll make an impact on what host you pick. There are a lot of great hosting providers out there. Um, the trick is going to be, what are you trying to do from your business standpoint? Are you just starting a website? Are you going to have a lot of traffic? Um, are you just in development? Are you using a WordPress website? Are you an agency that's making sites for other? The thing that you know I have to try to impress upon people is, while there are a lot of options out there, there are a lot of cheap options to get started. There aren't a whole lot of great options. What do I mean? There's a company called EIG. They have, uh, over the years, bought out a ton of hosting providers. One of my old favorite hosting providers was HostGator. In 2012, HostGator got bought out by EIG and just tanked. Um, EIG wants to make money. They're not about serving the customers. Sorry, personal opinion. So what you end up with is aging servers, that are slow, high failure rates, and, you know, hey, they're good enough to get online, but if you want to rank, you want to have a good experience for your customers, that's really just not the way to go. So you end up looking at EIG, and you've got you know, hosting providers like Fat Cow, HostGator, HostMonster, um, PowWeb, iPage, uh, Bluehost, which is another big one. All of those hosting providers, and there's a list of like 50 different ones, really, you know, if they're owned by EIG now, uh, I kind of put them at the bottom of the list. So uh, I'll start looking around, making sure I'm current, know what I'm talking about. If it's an EIG site, I just you know, pass it. And you'll do a search online for hosting providers, and you'll get a lot of sites that are like, oh, most popular Bluehost or 9.7 HostGator. Well, sure, they're cheap to get into. They do have 24-7 support, but that 24-7 support is by ticket. Um, you're never going to talk to a person. And it's cheap to get started. And sure, 99% uptime sounds okay, um, but you're going to have slow speeds. Um, I don't know, ju just not where I'm at. So uh, to, to kind of go from my perspective, I think hosting is something you shouldn't skimp on. And when we work with folks trying to get a website live, they're like, oh, you uh, charge us X for hosting every month? Well, when we provide hosting, we also provide some maintenance and stuff in it because we don't deliver, want to deliver you a website and then 
you know, have to like nickel and dime you hourly rates uh, for keeping it up and keeping it patched and making it perform like it should. We kind of wrap that into the hosting. And honestly, when we make a website, we do that for free for a year anyway. So, you know, lo- looking at the hosting, there's a lot more behind it. Um, so you know, w- what should you use? Well, there's categories, right? Uh, should you use a shared host? Those are the ones that keep your prices really low, but they're also high risk. You're going to share that server with other people. And when you're sharing that server with other people, what that ends up happening is if they use a lot of bandwidth, if they're using a lot of server resources, they're going to pull down your experience. But also if they have poor cybersecurity practices and they get hacked and they start sending out spam emails, that'll affect your reputation. And uh, you'll take the kind of the negative impact from that. So um, great to get started. Kind of not what you want long term. Now, uh, other than shared, you know, you can go to the, um, you can start going to VPSs. VPSs are much better. You pay for particular resources. You can get your own IP addresses. Uh, so you have a dedic- more dedicated experience. The other good thing about VPSs is that there's still, uh, there's still a lot of shared responsibility with your hosting provider. They're going to make sure that your hardware is up to date. It's on the current versions. Everything's patched and that you're getting some type of performance to still largely managed. And I'll tell most people, the vast majority of people, you want VPS. Now, uh, we start throwing in the word cloud today. Guess what? VPS has always been cloud technically, right? Whenever we're renting resources from another person in their data center, that's kind of cloud. And it, what they end up meaning there is, hey, we can automatically scale resources. Okay, great. You're deploying your stuff differently. It's all still cloud to me. Six, one, half dozen, the other. But uh, you might see them term differently. Uh, and that'll just be how someone sells you uh, your resources. VPSs will generally be a fixed package where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, four CPUs, a gig of RAM, this package, where with cloud, you can add a CPU or you can add a gig of RAM or you can add, you know, an extra gigabyte of storage and you can kind of piece it and part it. But same technology background. So VPS is great decision when you need more, but you don't want to manage a lot. Dedicated. Okay. I can't steer you off this enough unless you have an IT department. Don't go dedicated. If you have any IT department, could be a great choice. But for most people, you go dedicated. That means now I've got this server that I'm renting and I have to make sure it has the right software. I have to make sure that it gets patched. The only thing that's going to be done for me is if it fails, I might get a replacement. But I'm the one responsible for making sure that backup was done. And that that backup was done somewhere different from than that machine. Because if that machine fails... I just lost my backup. So while it, you know, you'll get more resources, your website will be more performant, you know, dedicated is a lot more work than most people. Then you have this idea of cloud, uh, like I said, VPS cloud, I would just pay attention to the flexibility. So yeah, sure. If it's monitored cloud, maybe you go there. Uh, we use a lot of cloud hosting uh, now for us. And um, largely that's where you want to be. Uh, so shared if you're starting Moving into VPS and cloud, so you have more resources, you're more performant. There will be a lot of folks that you talk to that'll be like, that hosting's so expensive. Your entire customer experience online relies on your host. So you want your website to load fast? Sure, there's some on-site optimizations that you can do. But as you're trying to over-optimize your website because you have poor hosting, you're you're affecting your user experience, your site performance. Hey, I wanted to have a video header. 
absolutely love video headers. They look slick. They can uh, add a lot to your website. Your customer's like, oh, that looks cool. This company's modern. Well, you end up on a shared host. Then all of a sudden you can't do a video header because it's taking too long to load. It's an excessive DOM size, etc. So, I mean, don't, yes, maybe you end up paying $40 a month instead of $2 a month. But that's for the, all those visits to your site. So if you have a thousand visitors, which isn't a high number, if you have a thousand visitors coming into your site, is it worth you having a host that's paying a few cents per visitor to give them a great performance? And if you start scaling up that number and you've got 10,000 visitors, you have 100,000 visitors, it can still withstand that volume. Uh, so I think those are some of the considerations. So what about particular hosting providers? Um you know, one of, one of my new favorites is Amazon Lightsail. Now, if you're self-hosting and you're trying to figure it out, Lightsail can uh, can be difficult. Uh, you have to have a little bit of technical uh, technical chops to understand how to use and navigate Lightsail. It's kind of like a lot of uh, AWS products. So AWS Lightsail. Um, uh, and I guess I'll, I'll qualify here. I'm going to start with some WordPress hosts. Uh, SiteGround. SiteGround's another good one. Most of your stuff is managed. Uh, you can do staging sites easily. It takes backups. Uh, it's pretty fast. Uh, another one I like when we're talking about WordPress, um, WP Engine uh, is a little expensive, um, but it's another good, reliable, managed WordPress host. And I'll say for developers out there, um, somebody that's really trying to customize WordPress, make themes, make plugins, make a really custom site is um, when you're looking at it, it's going to be flywheel flywheel is super cool from a developer side because you can install an on computer development environment for your WordPress site and then deploy it uh, to your web host as opposed to having to have a staging copy that's on your web host or whatever, being able to have that local copy uh, is very helpful, particularly if somebody that travels a lot. Um, so I'll show some bias. I fly a lot. Um, Hey, I could continue to work on a website while I'm disconnected on my laptop anywhere. Uh, so th that's pretty neat. Um, for generic hosting, Hostinger uh, is is pretty good. At least it's not um, equated to that big company uh, I was talking about earlier. Uh, DreamHost is common. I'll say DreamHost. Um, DreamHost is so big, though, that it's used by a lot of people in a lot of countries. Um, so I, I, uh, I question the security a little bit, maybe put my conspiracy theorist hat on. Um, Ionis is used by a lot of folks. Uh, I've had some clients that have come in on Ionis and, uh, some of the big, and maybe it's universal across the hosting providers. I'm a dork. Uh, I like having control over a lot of different things. Uh, so I don't like the user experience on the back end of Ionis, but as far as your website performance, it's okay. I'll say one that I really don't like from a professional perspective is GoDaddy. Um, I just think there's it's too clunky, too hard to get around. It is targeted towards the novice. So, um, you know, maybe that's my my con is your pro. But I will say that even though I think it's expensive and I think there's guardrails, that people that pay for GoDaddy um, overpriced hosting get really good performance. So there's something to be said there from a, if you're not sure, what you're doing, you need a lot of help. Uh, I go to GoDaddy because I saw the commercials and that's where I get my domain names and I just want to host there. Uh, hey, 
you're, you're probably actually going to get some pretty good website performance. So I think there's better options. Um, but going back to you know, ease of use turnkey, uh, that, that might be the one. Uh, Namecheap also has um, some good hosting. I think the thing that's really uh, helping level the playing field on hosting today is going to be SSL certificates. SSLs are largely included now. Uh, it used to be you had to pay for an SSL. So if you got that HTTPS site and you're like, hey, this is secure. I've got the little lock icon. Uh, every site should be HTTPS now. And it used to be you had to pay for the certificate. It was a couple hundred bucks. Well, now with Let's Encrypt, most hosting providers include SSL. So if they put it on the list of things like, hey, we include free SSL. Yeah, so does everybody else. So that's not the sale that it used to be. Um, yeah, if you end up with a hosting provider that doesn't, uh, you need to run away quickly. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, several hosting providers as I'm going through. Uh, Green Geeks is interesting. Um, if you're worried about where the energy that comes from uh, to your hosting is and make sure it's green energy. I mean, I, I'm looking, you know, and getting started, doing some development, playing with web servers. Pick the cheapest one. They're all the same tech stack. Uh, as you're trying to actually like have a business website, that's when, hey, I, I wouldn't scrimp on it. Um, as for what type of website you're using, if you're using some static HTML files and just have a static website and you kind of know what you're doing or you're working with somebody who knows what you're doing, uh, hosting an AWS S3 is probably the cheapest option and it'll provide a good experience. If you're looking at something dynamic, literally you're most likely going to be on a WordPress site. And if you're on a WordPress site, one of these managed providers is good because they'll help make sure that you're updated and secure because while WordPress is the most used uh, website platform in the world, it is also notoriously uh, vulnerable for security issues, but that's because there's so many themes and so many plugins and you have to keep them up to date. If you keep them up to date, you'll be okay. If you use security plugins like WordFence, then you'll be fine. Um, we do a lot of WordPress sites because uh, I'll tell you, you get the most for your buck with a WordPress site. If you want something completely custom, absolutely, we can do it. If you're willing to have something one pixel off to the left than where you wanted it, but get the same function for hundreds of development hours less, consider WordPress. So that's why we do a lot of WordPress uh, development. So kind of going through, uh, wrapping up what we said, um, you know, You've got shared hosting, you have VPS hosting, dedicated hosting. Uh, it steer you away from dedicated. Shared is a great place to start your journey, but not to live. Uh, VPS and cloud, uh, same, same. Just pay attention to the packages. You get the resources you pay for, so you have a consistent experience. Then you worry about the providers. I would stay away from anybody owned by EIG. You will never see really the, the company name EIG on any of these sites, but the... Um, the host gators of the world, the blue hosts, um, just don't do it. They had great names, so you might look them up online and they, hey, they've got 9,000 five-star reviews. Yep, those 9,000 reviews came from folks that are just starting or folks that wrote them, you know, before 2012 when they were bought out. So um, personal warning there, maybe they've gotten better, uh, but they they lost me. Um the site grounds, the WP engines, the Kenstas, the flywheels, uh, all great hosting providers. You pay a little extra, um, but the resources you get, this website speed that you get, the reliability, 
again, if the website's going to be foundational to your efforts uh, as a business or as a person trying to build your brand, I think it's worth paying a little bit extra once you start getting visitors. Uh, get your website somewhere. Make sure it's performant. Once it's performant, Google will show you some love. Uh, and that's really the way that I end up looking at hosting uh, for folks. Uh, last thing, if you happen to be an agency, is how can you divide out those sites? How can you white label the back end? How can you give customers access to the things customers need access to? And how can you control them in a granular way? I'll say that's one thing I kind of miss a little bit the way that I ended up setting up SiteGround initially. I have some um, I have some customers that are sharing resources and they all have a great experience on their site. But the way that I've had to scale up in the back end, I, I can't pinpoint it down to the customer enough. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm going to start transitioning new builds uh, over to AWS LightSail because I'll have that granular permission, that granular control of setting up each customer with exactly what they need to be performing. And I'll be able to audit that and, you know, kind of show that traceability of what I'm spending versus what experience they're getting and what we're charging for it. Um, and so far, the prices have also been lower. So uh, there's kind of uh, my two cents on web hosting and some of the considerations. Um, I hope you find that helpful and uh, good luck. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Code of Entry and online at codeofentry.com. Check back for new episodes or join the team by signing up for notifications. Until next time, keep hustling.